You're listening to The Dopos on Apple Podcasts. We're broadcasting from Irvine, California. I feel like I should mention that more. But uh, today we have my good old friend Matt Hannafin, fellow transfer student at UCI. And we're going to do a little Lakers unboxing. I got an idea from like tech YouTubers when they unbox new new phones or whatnot. And I was thinking we should do the same with the Lakers this season. And if we have time, we'll talk a little bit about other things in the NBA. But Matt, welcome back to the show. Thank you for having me. It's been a while. It has been a while, yeah. So me and Matt, we're Lakers fans, right, Matt? Absolutely. Um, just like a couple things off the top. How are the Lakers doing this season? Honestly, I've been pretty happy with the results. A little surprising where the results are coming from, but the overall success has been very good. Yeah. Lakers compared to like the rest of the Western Conference right now, they are three and one facing the Dallas Mavericks tonight, um, day after Halloween, November first, two thousand nineteen. They're third in the standings, and they only lost the opening game against the Clippers. Is this like have they overachieved or underachieved? I think so far we've slightly overachieved, but I don't think in that sense. I think that we didn't lose that game to the Clippers. I think we beat ourselves in that game. Yeah, it was. I'd say. It was a first, our first game, and it was at Staples Center with, you know, so not technically our home home, but we they didn't have PG, which is kind of worrisome to me, don't you think? Yeah, I would agree. I definitely think, especially without Paul George, that's a game that we should be winning the vast majority of the time. I just think that we didn't really have any of that chemistry going, and it didn't seem like we were running the plays we should have been running against the Clippers. Yeah, and then Anthony Davis looks a little, little rusty. Still, like, still rusty, do you think, or has he gotten better since game one? I mean, it's hard to say that after this last game where he just absolutely went off, but in that first game, he definitely looked rusty, especially going up against guys like Zubots. I definitely expected him to have a bit more of an advantage. Yeah. And then it's the Clippers scenario, I think. Zubots is like their official starting center, but at the end of the game, Montrez Harrell like gets more minutes than Zubots, which I think is interesting. Right. I think that's really just a function of Montrez not being able to keep up the production he has over long like stretches of time but I definitely think he's the superior player yeah and he also works a lot better with Lou Williams they're like the one-two punch for the Clippers that duo coming off the bench is really deadly yeah so then we're a couple games into the season and Anthony Davis LeBron James are playing together what do we think of the dynamic for them I think the dynamic has worked out in the ways that I thought it would, especially with just LeBron having those lobs to AD, like it just seems so natural when he's driving and he just knows that AD is going to be up there. So I think that part's been really effective so far, but I feel like in some other ways, like on defense, they haven't quite clicked as well as I thought they would. Yeah, but it, it, they definitely play like they've known each other or they, they, they play like they've been playing together for like years and seasons. Definitely. Even though it's their first season together officially. Definitely. So I, my question for you would be, do you think that's the chemistry that they have as individuals, or is that just their skill sets are so complementary that they just fit together? I think LeBron's skill set is complementary to like a lot of the players in the league, right? He He's sure. known to be like a distributor, great passer, and I think him and AD have communicated pretty well to the fact that like, hey, like just do pick and roll with me. And once you get past the, the def- defending player, I'll just pass it to you or just lob it to you and just dunk it or something. 
That's a great point. I feel like we've seen a lot more of LeBron's passing this year just because last year he didn't have anyone to pass to, right? The best play nine times out of ten was him driving and either going for a foul or taking a really long two. But now he actually has someone that he can dump it off to, someone that he can kind of spot up even from earlier on in the offense. I don't remember if it was 80s, 40-point, 26 right 26 re- no no 26 20. 20 rebounds 26 free throws made yes i don't know if it was that game or the game before but it was uh i wanted to say that lebron james he was he didn't score any points or something like that until the th- second half yeah he was really quiet i think that might have been the game before but i'm not entirely sure are we starting to see the point in lebron's career where he just tries to play passive like in the first half and save himself for the second half and therefore save himself overall for the season and for the playoffs? I definitely think that's the route he's going. My question would be, is that the most effective path for the Lakers as a team? So far, I think it's worked pretty well, just because him saving himself is still him initiating the offense and running it pretty well, as long as his other aspects of being like the first point of the offense don't diminish over time. I think what he's doing right now is pretty effective. Yeah, he's not scoring, but he's definitely still getting the rebounds, the assists, the steals, maybe a block or two for the team. Right, and I think my only concern is that he's not going to have that gravity as long as he does, because it works because guys close out on him and guys have to pay attention to him. But if his scoring starts to become not as much of a threat, then I don't think that he can do the other things he does as effectively. Yeah, and I'm also wondering if LeBron is just playing the kind of like scheme master role where he's trying to just get the team like motivated and pumped up right and to make them feel like they can win without him like not 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 like entirely but like if he were to uh, stay out one game like they could play together and win together without him yeah I see what you're saying and I think it would be really nice just for the Lakers as a franchise if they're able to establish you know that system that we see with other teams like the Warriors when a player goes down the system is still there regardless of if Clay is out or if KD now obviously if all three are out that's a whole different thing but having that system where the offense runs regardless of who is on the floor would be really nice to see but do you think we have the personnel for something like that I think we have We have the length for that, at least. And I'd say talent-wise, I don't think we have as much talent as the Clippers, but we still have like a solid supporting cast, right? Uh, Not counting LeBron James and AD, Danny Green, outside of those three, we still have like a very strong supporting cast. Definitely. And especially so far, we've had a lot of guys who are expected to be more at the back end of the rotation kind of overperforming. And then we still haven't seen the production from guys that we expect to see it from. So I think there's a lot of room for growth still. Yeah. I'm glad you mentioned that because the next player I want to talk about would be Dwight Howard. He had my full endorsement in the summer um, to a lot of people disagreed and a lot of people were still um, angry about what he did to the Lakers in the past. But I'm very, very happy with him. What about you? I am very happy, and it is amazing how willing we are to forgive and forget once they start producing, right? Everyone's mad at Dwight Howard, but as soon as he starts playing like we know he can play, everyone is very happy to have him again. I just love seeing how he blocks, like, he tries so hard to get blocks now. Um, he, you know, he's doing his, what his his uh, job requirements are, which is just play D, get rebounds, but he's also, like, scoring for us and um, getting blocks as well. I just I just love the energy that he brings to Staples and 
every time when he just swats a ball away, like the whole entire staple center like just goes crazy for him and he, he does like the little like finger uh finger thing. Um yeah. So Dwight Howard like definitely overachieved like our expectations, right? Absolutely. And it seems like he's really sinking into that role that we wanted him to fit into, but never expected him to have the ego to fit into, right? Like he's just putting in so much effort than I've seen before. Like there was a play, I think it was second game of the season where he was, you know, before he was always kind of antsy about setting screens. He never really set them very hard. He never really put a lot of effort into that. And I think LeBron was doing maybe like a wide pin down or something. And I think it was three or four times he rearranged himself to set like the perfect screen, just like make really good hard contact. And like you're saying, he's just putting so much more effort into other areas. And then when the scoring is there, he's doing that too. Exactly. Dwight Howard, like just barring injury or whatnot, I think he he deserves a starting center, uh, the starting center role over JaVale McGee at this point. What do, Ab- what do you think? Absolutely. I would say that between the two, we could allocate the minutes a little less severely than a starter and a bench player. Right. right? I right, think they right. can be a little bit more of a tandem. I agree. Because yeah. they're a little older. They've both had some injuries. But I definitely think that Dwight should have at least the more meaningful minutes. Right. They're both like very long players. Good at good at playing D for us. Good at getting rebounds. Also good at getting offensive rebounds, by the way. Absolutely. They get us they get us a lot of second chance opportunities. How do you like the idea that they've been running with so far of playing a traditional center and AD most of the time, even in crunch time? AD at power forward, you mean? Yeah. I I like it. I just don't like when AD posts up too much and he gets double teamed and turns the ball over or they just play really good defense on him and they force him to take like a long two, a long um contested two. I mean, and I just don't like when that happens but i do like that we're uh catering to 80s like 80s wants 80s um wanting to be a power forward more than a center yeah i agree i think it's definitely best for him long term just as far as like keeping him healthy and things like that but like you said i think having ad at the power forward and a more traditional five because javel and dwight aren't really threats from beyond a few feet so they're just kind of clogging up that lane so like you said there's so many guys in there that when ad posts up he really can't do anything with i do like though that i can like when you think about it ad as a power forward there we, we we would have two centers in the game at once Right. Two like really good people like two really tall people who can get us rebounds outside of LeBron, which I really like. Like Dwight Howard or A D, like they, they two people just in the in the paint getting rebounds for us. I, I really like that. I definitely like the idea of it. My only concern is that there's not really great spacing with right. those fives. I mean AD provides enough on his own, but just having those two guys, it would have been nice to have a traditional center who can be at least a bit of a threat from beyond the restricted zone. Yeah. So Dwight definitely can't shoot threes, but AD has shot a couple threes and he's made a like a little a couple a couple threes I think. So I think he's still in the, like the the twenty five percent range for threes, which isn't good. But I still think he he provides a little bit of the spacing that you're talking about, where defenders still have to pay attention to him when he steps outside the 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 three point line. I mean. Yeah, definitely. Because I think like you're saying, like if AD's at the three-point line, if not fully closing out, you're at least paying attention. Whereas if Dwight or JaVale are out there, defenders are basically laughing and saying, please take this. Yeah. Also, he's really good at free throws. Uh, Going back to the last game where he shot 26 out of 28, I think. 26 of 27, actually. Man, he was just unbelievable. That's like James Harden numbers right there. Absolutely. And like you're saying... 
he got that many fouls without hunting for them, like a lot of people say Harden does. I mean, he's just such a bully down there that people don't know how to defend them other than to foul him. Yeah. Harden, I wonder if Harden just saw that and he's just like, AD, like, why are you, why are you stealing my thing? Like, free throws are my thing. Or just asked him how he's so effective at actually making them. Right, right. Um, okay, so we answered the Howard versus McGee thing. Let's talk about the rest of the supporting cast of the Lakers. KCP, like, what do you think? Of, what do you think about him? And what do you think of the Lakers actually signing him to? I think a season after this one more. Yeah, I did. I definitely didn't hate it. I think KCP definitely brings some value. My concern so far is that. To me, he should fit more into that traditional like 3 and D kind of role. And so far, he definitely hasn't been making the threes. And he's been passable on defense. I think especially with like Danny Green out on the perimeter, he doesn't need to be amazing. But if he can just be a threat from the corner and handle some kind of wing player, then he'll be all right. Yeah. I, I, was, um, I was watching a game where KCP hadn't scored yet. And I was just checking Twitter to see what people were saying about the Lakers and a lot of people were just bagging on KCP for not scoring and but then uh I saw a tweet from Eric Pincus who writes um for the uh, on the Lakers for Bleacher Report and Basketball Insiders and he 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 made a point that even though KCP hadn't scored yet his plus minus at that time of the tweet was like plus 16 or something wow so that got me thinking like oh maybe I'm just not paying attention to everything else he's doing off the ball and I'm just only paying attention to like the shots that he's missed, you know? Sure. So, yeah, next time I watch a Lakers game, I'm going to try harder to like watch what KCP does off the ball to see like, you know, what what he's contributing to the team. Yeah, that that'd be interesting. I didn't really think of him as an off-ball contributor at all. Yeah. Avery Bradley, Caruso, uh Quinn Cook. Well, let's start with Danny Green first. Danny Green scored 28 points on the first game, shot a bunch of three-pointers. I I love it. Like, he, he's everything we expected him to be for the Lakers. Yeah, he's been fantastic. I think he's nailed, like, 50% of his threes so far. He's been amazing. Yeah. And then you have you have LeBron James. You have AD. They all know Danny can shoot, and they just throw it out to him when he's uh, at the three-point line, and he just sinks it. Yeah, I think he's such a good pairing with, like, a playmaker like he had in Toronto with Kawhi or like he has now with AD and LeBron because he can just be such a threat from outside that if you're able to drive in, draw the defense, someone's going to leave Danny Green open and then he'll make you pay. His shooting form is one of the best in the league, I'd say. It's very clean. Yeah. He also can just drive to the rim if he wants. He can uh, shoot free throws very well. He can get rebounds. Yeah, just he like, does a little bit of everything. Overall, like, solid, um, solid, like, supporting cast skill, I mean. Absolutely. Do you think he's the third best player on this team right now? I So, Kyle Kuzma's playing tonight. He's coming back, and he's just going to play about 15, 20 minutes. Right now, I'd say Danny Green is the third best on the on the Lakers, but we got to see, like, how Kuzma um, has recovered and if he's still, like, uh, playing well, I think. What do you want to see from Kuzma tonight? Kuzma, so they officially said that they'll all, only play him 15 to 20 minutes. I, I'd like to see I'd like to see 15, 15 points, maybe three rebounds, four assists, something like that, and a couple free throws. I think that would be a good um, preview of like how, how healthy he is and how much he's recovered. Definitely. And would you want him to be running out there with the starters once he's healthy again? Or do you think that he should be kind of that guy leading off the bench? Because that's a debate that I've had a lot with myself. Right. That's an interesting question because then we'd have to like change the lineup 
of the the starting lineup for the Lakers, right? Because the starting lineup right now would be I forget. So LBJ, LBJ, AD, and either JaVale or Dwight. Well, right now it's JaVale, right? Danny Green and the starting point guard right now. I, I'm not sure that Avery think, Bradley. Right? Have they switched it up? I I can't even remember. But yeah, yeah. Well, I think I feel like it's hard for us to remember because LeBron always brings up the ball. So basically, yeah. But if Kuzma were to come back, I I think that might mean that Danny Green would come off the bench, or they would just keep Danny Green and Kyle would come off the bench. Yeah, I think I personally I think I would prefer to have Kuzma coming off the bench, especially once he's coming back, just so we can kind of get his scoring mojo going against the second team. But I just think Danny Green fits so much better alongside LeBron and AD, whereas I have more faith in Kuzma's ability to make plays if he's kind of leading the bench team. It would be interesting for sure to see Kuzma take on like the sixth man role, kind of like how Lou Williams does for the Clippers, right? Right. They like Lou Williams is basically their starting guard, one of their starting guards, but he just comes off the bench. Yeah, it's honestly amazing his impact just in the last few minutes of games alone. Yeah. And Kuzma has publicly stated that he would like to be the third person of the Lakers like three man um core. So I hope he can live up to it and I hope he can do it. Yeah, especially with how well we've been playing right now, I think just anything he's able to add to us will really help raise our ceiling. Yeah. And then Rajon Rondo. Um uh, so that's like another interesting point like question when he when he does come back. Like where where does he fit into the the Lake the the the, the, the roster? Um what do you think? So my worry is that they'll start him. I think he can I think he can contribute something if he's coming off the bench and just being kind of like the floor manager of the second team. Like if he just brings the ball up the court and just makes some good passes. I think where he runs into trouble is when they say, okay, Rondo, you're going to be the playmaker for our team right now. And then he just starts doing way too much. But if he's just kind of that veteran who can dish it out and run an offense through him, I think he can provide a little bit of value. I also think I, I prefer I prefer him coming off the bench. I'd rather have I'd rather have a strong shooting the strong shooters start the game and then just yeah, I'd rather just see the starters uh be the great shooters on the roster. And you're right. I think if we're just talking about bench players, there's not a good playmaker on the bench, right? Right. I think there are shooters, but I don't think there's anyone who can really create for himself unless Kuzma's coming off the bench. But something else I've also noticed is uh, LeBron James, it seems like Frank Vogel is trying to have either LeBron or AD out, like either both of them or just one of them all times, unless they're they're sure they're about to win and, you know, none of them are in. So, yeah, just if AD and LeBron, if either or one of them are, are in, then who do we want to see, like, beside them? I think I worded that kind of weird, but... Yeah, do you mean who would you like to see beside LeBron on his own and AD on his own? Yeah. I think that if AD is on his own, then I think that we should be giving him more of a traditional point guard like Rondo. And I think when LeBron is on the floor, I'd rather see a set where we almost have two shooting guards on the floor Mm -hmm. instead, because you don't really need someone to bring the ball up. I mean, you could definitely use someone on the perimeter, but he's going to be initiating most of the offense. So I don't see the need for kind of an old school point guard. Yeah, that sounds like a pretty solid, um, solid strategy. Um, all right. Anything else we're missing from the Lakers? Just our in our unboxing podcast. The only thing I would want to touch on is just how shocked I've been that 
like a lot of the guys that were our 12th, 13th, 14th man on the roster have been doing like fairly well. I mean, Jared Dudley has been doing all right. Avery Bradley has been doing a bit better than I expected. And somehow... Uh, Troy Daniels. Yeah, somehow Troy Daniels has been just playing out of, I mean, out of his mind comparatively. Yeah. We do, a lot of people do like like his three-point shooting, Troy Daniels at least. Yeah, as of right now, he's really the only one who's drilling him down besides Danny Green. Yeah, and I think in a couple of games, like the bench for our bench has like scored very well compared to the opposing team's bench, which is like fantastic. You know, um, over overachieved like what everyone else thought of our our roster construction. Yeah, definitely. I think our bench will be really good on scoring. I think the question is, are they going to give it up on the defensive end? Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, and then that that should cover it for Lakers, right? Um, Demarcus Cousins still haven't heard about him, but he's still showing up to the games. If he does come back, like that, that will be a very interesting podcast uh, rotation for everyone in the NBA community. But yeah, let's let's move on to just Western Conference issues. We just found out today that Steph Curry will be out for three months plus with a broken hand. He just uh, went through surgery to repair it, but he'll be out for three months. That is a sizable portion of the NBA season. Are the Warriors making the playoffs, Matt? I think at this point, it's safe to say that they're sunk. I really have no faith in their ability to make the playoffs at this point. And it would it would make sense for, for them to just take it easy with Steph Curry and kind of tank, right, to try to get a higher pick in the draft. Yeah, definitely. There's no need to rush him back. I think the real question is, do they tank this year just by playing bench guys more often, maybe bring up G League guys, or do they just tear it down, trade anyone of value, and then try to kind of make another run at it at the back end of Steph's career? What if What if they can do it? What if they can actually make the eighth seed just with D'Angelo Russell and Draymond Green? How, how possible do, is that, do you think? I think that D'Angelo Russell would have to be like second team All-NBA and Draymond Green would just have to be a one-man wrecking ball on the defensive end. I mean, I really think that they just have to be in like the 90th percentile of their ability in order for that to happen. I just realized that if Steph Curry's out now, D'Angelo Russell will be kind of taking on a similar role as he did last year with the Brooklyn Nets, right, where he was the sole starting point guard right soul like shooter well not soul shooter but just like their their best player right 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 so i'm kind of i'm kind of interested to see if he can just up his numbers a little bit with steph curry out yeah i mean i don't think he had an amazing supporting cast on the nets but my worry is especially with steph out now the whole defense is just going to be paying attention to d'angelo russell i mean i don't really know if there's anyone else on that team that scares me enough so i think he's just going to get double teamed so often that i think he'll do really well but i don't know if he's going to be able to beat the production he had in uh, Brooklyn. Right. Also, something interesting I saw was that uh, someone pointed out that basically all the veterans from the Golden State Warriors have left during uh, the offseason. And a lot of their players now are like 24 years old or under. And basically, Steve Kerr, Steph Curry, Draymond Green, they kind of have to help and reteach the young players like how the Golden State offense works and how the defense works so it'd be I wonder if they can teach them like quickly so that they can kind of get back into the competitive race maybe this season or or do you think that's just unlikely 
I think that this season would be unlikely just because they didn't have the offseason to prepare for this, right? Their offseason was, okay, let's make this offense centered around Steph and D'Angelo. And then now that plan has kind of changed, so I think they're going to have to learn a little bit more on the fly. But I think if they not sacrifice the season, but dedicate the season to just training the new guys, then I definitely think that all that experience will come into play next year and they'll show like a pretty big improvement. Yeah. I was kind of, I was kind of, like really curious to see like how the Warriors would do without like KD without Clay right like I really wanted to see them healthy and just wanted to see if they can still like remain at the top in the playoff seating but I guess we'll have to like wait for wait and see like how how that all turns out how optimistic were you at the start of the season because I mean we only got what four games with Steph there so I wonder if that was just small sample size and they just had four rough games in a row or would it have just been an absolute train wreck even if he had stayed healthy I think we're just still too early in the season so I just I just contributed that uh, their performance to just like rust and overall adjustment to like new players that they have to play with okay Phoenix Suns they're surprisingly like they have a winning record right now, which I don't think anyone's like would ex- expected. They won against the Clippers. I mean, like, and then they DeAndre Ayton like got suspended for twenty five games as well, which is their starting center. Do we think this is gonna die down, Matt? I definitely think so. I think that there's just these weird moments in sports where we see like the centerpiece or like a star player go down and then the team kind of rally around themselves and just do really well. But I just don't think that that's sustainable over the course of a season. Yeah, me too. Dallas Mavericks, same thing. They're ahead in the standings. They're like near the top. Kristaps Porzingis, um, he's actually looking fine, uh, even though he's he's been through a couple of major injuries. Luka Doncic is still doing um, fine. I think I think they would. Their performance is going to die down eventually, right? I think they'll do pretty well. I think they'll be at least like a steady force in the playoff race. I definitely don't see them like just storming through the regular season into a playoff spot, but I think they'll be in the hunt. Um, and like you said, Kristaps has looked a lot better coming off injury than I expected. Houston Rockets, James Harden, Russell Westbrook. What do we think of the duo? Is it better than Chris Paul Harden or or, or not? I think it'll still take a little bit of time for the chemistry to work out, and I've already been a little bit concerned about that pretty public fight that they've already had on the court, so I'll be curious to see how that works out between them. I definitely think it has a higher ceiling than Chris Paul did, but I'd be curious to see how they kind of manage those two, whether they're pairing them and just playing them at the same time or kind of staggering them, which is what I would like to see is kind of running the James Harden team for half the game and then the Russell Westbrook team for half the game. And then Russell Westbrook definitely stats his um, stuff stuffs his stats a lot more than Chris Paul did for the Rockets, right? This Absolutely. guy, this guy's like almost getting triple doubles every every game, just like he's done for the past couple of seasons. But he's not as good a shooter as West uh, as Har- uh, Paul was. So they're they're doing fine right now in the standings. Harden is like Harden just scored like what fifty points, fifty points in the last game, and also forty something points in two games before. I think I think Houston will be fine again. They'll they'll make the playoffs for sure and they'll be they'll have a high seeding. Yeah, I think they'll do really well. I think they can get over Russ not being an amazing shooter as long as some of the other role players like if PJ Tucker can keep draining threes and if Eric Gordon Yeah, and if uh, Eric Gordon can just kind of be like a good force off the bench for them. Yeah. Uh, anything else? We're just doing a quick preview. We'll we'll talk more like when the season progresses, but Oh, Carl Anthony Towns and Joel Embiid, the fight. 
Yeah, that was shocking, man. I can't imagine being so close to two just absolute giants duking it out like that. The irony was like Joel Embiid was saying like like he's he made a social media post saying that like he wasn't going to do like basically petty things anymore or something like that. Right, and they've continued the social media beef after this. They're really going at it. Watching the video, I it feels like it feels like Joel Embiid was the the instigator, I think right like he 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 made like a, a subtle like small push which like instigated cat to like start the fight yeah i definitely think so i think the most surprising part for me was that ben simmons got off scot-free he had a one he, oh, had, him, he had like a chokehold yeah he had the guy on the ground with a chokehold and then they said that he was a peacemaker during the altercation yeah i don't get i don't get how you why why you would need to hold someone back with a chokehold no i i mean i kind of get that ben simmons is the only other one big enough to even get in between those two but man tensions were just high eastern conference i don't i don't let's just not get too in depth but milwaukee philly those are the two best third is what boston I'd say Boston. I think that the East is okay. It's just so unsurprising so far. Like, everyone's just kind of playing how we expected because there really isn't anyone that had that much upside to them. Right. It's like when you look at NBA.com and see which games are on, you automatically go to the, like, Western Conference games, right, where two 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 teams from the West are facing off. I guess they just, like, provide more value for your for your time watching. Yeah, there's definitely just so much more parity in the West that the games, you're more likely to see an upset or, like, a really close game, whereas in the East, I think the games just kind of go as expected the, mo- the majority of the time. Kawhi beat his former team yesterday, the Spurs. He did, like, a 30-point performance or something like that. I just can't believe, like, how he he's changed the destinies of, like, a couple teams in the league. He's, he's changed the direction of, like, the Spurs, the Raptors, and now the Clippers. What if he wins a championship this year? I think that if he wins a championship this year, I'd be just so curious to see what he does moving forward because there have been a lot of talks about will he just be this kind of, like, championship mercenary where every year or every two years he just goes hunting for his best chance at a ring or will he say, okay, this is the place I want to establish a dynasty? True, and then he'd also be... I don't know if he'd be the first to do it, but the fir- maybe the first to bring a title to three different teams in, in, in one career. Yeah, definitely. It's just been shocking how his... I mean, he was just an amazing player on the Spurs, but he's really come into his own on the offensive end since his days in San Antonio. And we're also awaiting PG, like we said, to come back. Um, people think like he'll only miss 10 games. So we're almost there, I guess. But... If if Peachy comes back and makes the Clippers unstoppable, then we'll just have like another warrior situation on our hands, I think. How likely do you think it is that they reach that level of dominance? They have the the talent, they have the experience, they have the coaching staff. They have they already have one star player who's doing like great. Another star player into the mix. I just I just think it there it is pretty likely to happen. Yeah. I agree. I think that's especially true because Paul George doesn't really need to come back and be a superstar. I think as long as he's passable on the offensive end, just having that defense with Kawhi, Paul George, everyone else that they're able to kind of funnel towards those two, I think they'll just be uh, unstoppable almost. Yeah. Um, I, I think we're, we're done, you know, just for an unboxing type of video. Uh, I think like we'll do like a full review type video later on as the season progresses. But uh, thank you, Matt, for coming and really appreciate it. Thanks for having me on. Go Lakers. Go Lakers. You got that feeling. One, two, three, turning with me.
don't 